Hello and welcome to another VW Podcast. I'm Kevin Vela. I'm Aaron Turway. And this is Chapter 3 of Venture Deals, Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist. So as you know, we're reviewing the book, and we're three episodes in, so that's why we're on Chapter 3. And this was a very short chapter. I think it was a length that was conducive to your bachelor party schedule, right, Aaron? Yeah, I'll go ahead and apologize right now for the quality of my voice. Um, It's not really at 100%, which I would normally like it to be. Now, weren't you telling me the other day that sometimes you listen to the podcast, you don't like the sound of your voice? I rarely listen to the podcast (laughs) because I don't like listening to myself. That might explain. Okay, as I say, that might explain our download numbers. Right. No, I download it. (laughs) I just don't listen to it. (laughs) Download and subscribe. Exactly. And I've also rated us five stars. Do you think that this will be better to listen to or worse? Uh, I don't know. Because like I can tell, tell that my voice is kind of raspy, so I think that sounds cool. But I can also tell it's sort of nasally because I'm sick. So, Well, look, I like your voice. I think it does well. It does great for our podcast. Thanks. I uh, appreciate that. I prefer normal Aaron, Aaron voice. Yeah, me too. I, I prefer feeling like normal Aaron also. <laughs> we have a very relaxed culture here. At the yeah. firm, we can just openly talk about those things. Yeah, I have a cold. That's yeah, I'm under the weather. That's right. I have Kleenex next to me. I'm, I have a halls in my mouth currently. Yes, yeah, so you're also doing this podcast with a sucker in your mouth. Not really a sucker. No, it's a, a lozenge. Drop. Yeah, well, Lo- a- lozenge or lozenge? Lozenge. Lozenge. Lozen. <laughs> Lozeng. Lo- lo- lozenge. <laughs> Lozenge. I think the the G is silent. All right, let's get to let's get to the term sheet because I told our producer we would not go long today, and even though it's only one page, I do want to talk a lot about setting up a term sheet. So, Aaron, when someone tells you we're negotiating a term sheet, or they bring up the you know they reference a term sheet, what does that mean to you? It means to me uh, it could be a couple of things. It means to me that. They, they have an investor that has said, yes, I'm interested in investing, or it means they're about to start shopping their deal around. It, it doesn't necessarily mean they have the money soft circled and they have somebody saying, yes, I want to invest. Um, you know, I, it, it just means that they're ready to go out and raise money. So that's our first critical point I wanted to cover today is who provides the term sheet? Typically in an early stage round, which is what we have a lot, a lot of experience with, in an early stage round, the company provides the term sheet. I want to talk about the different types of term sheets that you see. Once you get to later stage rounds, our clients, Aaron, that are raising Series A money or Series B money, and there are institutional investors involved, the term sheet comes from the other side. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it is, you know, early stage investing, you know, at least for the deals that we see, it's a lot of, you know, angel, super angel, those types. And so there's not really a, a, a lead investor in these early stage deals. That's exactly right. And that's how this comes about. So in an early stage company, when you're raising your friends and family round or your seed round, you are going to put together a term sheet, usually work with your board or your advisors, work with your lawyer, and then you're going to go to market that term sheet. Now, if you're coming out of an accelerator, those things are usually pretty well set and they're kind of defined by the the investment or the program participation agreement because a lot of times at the end of the round or at the end of the program, when you get to pitch day, they'll be stated or defined terms and the accelerator will set those and then other people will follow along. But for all other early stage companies, you're probably going to pull together a seed term sheet, which you might find online. Or if your attorney's comfortable doing this, something that your attorney helps you to put together. 
And then you're going to take that and you're going to talk to the parties who are interested in investing. And once you get enough people to say yes, or to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll do that. Then you say, okay, these are our final terms. Let's get the docs drafted. Right. When you're doing working with a venture capital company, you usually only go to them with two basic things, economics and control. And they talk about that a little, they talk a little bit about that here. And then the VC will put together a term sheet right. and they'll send you a term sheet. Now, a lot of people think that whatever term sheet says, the terms of term sheet are pretty final or that term sheets can be binding. What are your thoughts there, Aaron? I mean, yeah, you, you could have a binding term sheet, but you know, for the majority of the deals that we see, you know, other than maybe a no shop provision, term sheets are generally non-binding. They're generally not binding. They're just an indication of interest or a statement of intent. Sometimes people will call them an LOI, letter of intent, or an IOI, indication of interest. You generally see those terms more for M&A type activity or joint venture activity. Within the venture world, I think term sheets pretty ubiquitous. But Aaron, if you let's just assume you were going to have a binding term sheet, which we rarely, rarely see for a number of reasons. But if you were going to have a binding term sheet, are you going to be able to get binding provisions in there in one or two pages? No, it's going to be it's going to have to be you know ten pages. It's going to look it's going to be a contract right. by the time you get there. So what's the point? I mean. Right. There are times when you need to do that. And usually the binding provisions, like Aaron mentioned, might be a no shop clause. And if you're going to do that, if you've got a hot startup and a VC wants a no shop clause, then you need some consideration for that, right? right? Meaning no shop clause says you are not going, and I'm sure they're going to talk about this in detail. So let's not right. get too far into it. But a no shop clause, clause says you're not going to offer this to anyone else for a p- period of time. Well, you need to get paid for that because if they decide not to invest, you just ate up, uh, they just ate up that much time. So I want, I really want to focus on this binding versus non-binding because we do get a lot of inv- um, early stage companies come here, Aaron, and they say, Hey man, I got this term sheet and these guys have agreed to do it. And you know, they said that it's binding and it might even say it's binding at the top of the term right. sheet, but then it's one page long. Right. I mean, it, it, listen, obviously we're attorneys, so um, we have some, you know, a certain amount of self-interest in, in preparing the documents <laughs> and making sure that everything's covered. But Beyond our self-interest of, of having a, a job to do, there's a reason why these term sheets aren't mining, and there's a reason why the docs for these deals are sometimes hundreds of pages of long. And it's because in order for something to be binding, we have to make sure that we're thinking of every possible scenario and make sure that it's addressed. There are so many provisions to make a term sheet a, a term sheet binding. And again, this excludes just the no shop clause or confidentiality, right? Right. Being binding. But to get it done, I mean, you really do need full, full docs. You know, when we first got into this era, and even before you came to the firm and I was doing early stage deals and looking at seriesc.com, I thought, okay, well, you know, the whole landscape or the entire universe of venture terms is not that much. It's not that robust. It seems relatively straightforward. But the more we get into it, you know, I mean, we're, we've done well over hundreds of deals at this point in time. I feel like every deal, something new comes up where we're able to fortunately draw on our experience and you know, and you and I can collaborate. But man, the deeper we get into it, the more important I think an attorney is. Now, I do think for early stage deals, you can cut costs. The investor and attorney, the investor and company can agree on, you know, most of the core terms. But trying to do these things just through a term sheet and say, well, here's all the deal terms. We're just gonna use this term sheet, you're really putting yourself um, at risk of being in a really bad position if something goes wrong. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is like generally a term sheet is a bullet pointed list. And we might 
think we have the same understanding as to what a certain term means, but it's not until you really flesh it out and put it into the language that's going to be in the binding definitive document that you really realize, oh, yes, we do understand it the same way, or no, we have, you know, fundamental, you know, disagreement on what this term means. That's a great point. I mean, something as simple as there's a redemption after year five. Right. But a redemption, is there any disc, is there any, um, you know, is there a, a coupon on that redemption? How long does the company get to pay off the redemption? Um, who gets to call the redemption? Is it milestone trigger or is it is it call? Or let's just say it says investor A gets a board seat. He gets a board seat for how long? Forever? And Until the next round? And one board seat out of how many? Exactly. You know, we're going to have right. a 15-person board? That's fine. He yeah. can have one out of 15. Right. But if is it one out of three? And can that investor be removed, right? If, you know, for cause or whatnot? Are they going to have to sign... Uh, confidentiality agreements, which is typically what you want your investors to do. However, if I'm big VC, I might have a hard time with that because I might represent 10 SaaS-based businesses. So there are a lot of things, and this is just the nuances that come up as the more of these deals we do and the deeper we get into it, you start to understand how important it is to, uh, to have good counsel on your side. So anyway, that the point I want to make there is that a non-binding standard term sheet, fantastic. You get the material terms knocked out. And really, you don't need, you don't have to have the attorneys negotiating the material terms, economics and control. Obviously, come to us for input, but man, there's so many resources out there. No one knows your business better than you. That's fine to hash those things out and bring in the attorneys when you get into the weeds. The next thing I want to talk about, Aaron, was the different types of term sheets, right? Mm-hmm. We are seeing more and more, even here in the middle of the country, more and more safe agreements yep. come through, which I think is great. It really yeah. simplifies things. Being company side, they're generally more company friendly. We really uh, like those. I was just working with one of our first years on a safe agreement uh, today, and we were able to get knocked out pretty quickly and get over to the client, and the investor understands it. For a safe agreement, we don't really have a standard safe term sheet. No, although I, I have put one together. You put one together. And show that to you. But if you go to the Y Combinator or whoever's promulgating these things, they don't have a safe term sheet. Now, I think for a for a seed round or a convertible debt round, you do have standard term sheets. And they all look pretty similar. They're kind of based off of the SeriesSeed.com template. Ours looks kind of like that. I think ours looks... Um, we do some things with the formatting to make it a little bit more presentable. But in a term sheet, here are the key things you're going to need to have. Obviously, some background information on your company, just where was it organized, uh, what the capitalization of the company looks like. That's really, really important. And we we have a pre and post transaction capitalization table on all of our term sheets. If you're doing convertible debt, then the post transaction capitalization doesn't change, but you do need to have pre uh, transaction capitalization and then also just a note of how much you're going to have in convertible debt. You need to have any material issues with the company that might exist, for example, not issues, but material indebtedness. So if you're doing a convertible note round, you want to let people know if there's already convertible note rounds existing, right? You got to let your investors know that. And this gets into disclosure issues. Um, If you have any senior secured. Senior secured, right. Any other senior uh, shares or, or debt out there, you need to know... You want to say that your founders are going to be subject to customary uh, restrictions on their stock, right? You need to, uh, the investors are going to want to know that your founders have assigned all their IP into the company. Um, You want to have minimum offering. This is how much we're offering. You know, they covered earlier in the book, Aaron, oh, we're going to raise 250 to 750. That's not really a good idea, right? 600 to 750, fine. I mean, if you have a little collar, a small collar on how much you're raising, 
I'm comfortable with that. But you do want to include that in the term sheet, how much you're raising, what the minimum investment size is, whether you're opening up to accredited or non-accredited investors. Accredited investors are better. It's just, I'm not saying they're better investors, but it's easier from a uh, from a regulatory standpoint. Non-accredited are fine. Just make sure you're working with your attorney, especially if you're taking non-accredited investors to file the proper disclosures and federal and state regulations. Let's see, what else, Aaron? What else might go in a term sheet that I haven't named yet? Um, I mean, pre-money valuation. Pre-money valuation, huge one. Around what the price per share is. And then control, what the control is going to look like. You know, a lot of times in the early stage, we just say, hey, there's three directors and it's the three founders right. or it's the two founders and advisor. And we're not giving up a seat. If there are any sort of uh, preferential rights that a major investor would get, you mm-hmm. know, right of first offer, um, you know. Liquidation right first, preference. Right of first refusal. So those preferential rights when you go on a term sheet. So just what we've talked about, you can easily get to two pages and then you want to have some kind of CYA language in there. This is not binding. This is just a summary of terms. The investors shall perform full due diligence. We always say, um, have a paragraph that says the investors will have access to our records because that's the number one reason why investors get fussy if they're going to claim some sort of litigation threat. It's going to say that there was some sort of uh, material misstatement or omission. Well, and you know, we'll say that the investors have had the opportunity to ask questions of exactly all the management right. and all that. So those things need to go into a term sheet. Pretty critical that they do so that if they ever, this ever comes up in the future, we can d- demonstrate that the investors did have the opportunity to ask questions. But then once you have your, your you know, those terms laid out, whether you're doing convertible debt or equity, most of the stuff's the same, right, Aaron? Like the disclosure information, the access to information or ask questions, the capitalization, the management of the business, whether we're doing equity or debt, that's all going to be in there. Right. Equity, you'll have a pre-money valuation. Debt, you'll have a cap, but they serve a similar purpose. With And I say debt, we mean convertible debt. With convertible debt, you'll have a few more things in there, the mechanics of conversion, uh, what happens at maturity if the if the debt hasn't been converted, and also what happens in the event of a change of control transaction. Those things would go into that term sheet. But they serve the same purpose, right? Which is to get the material terms on paper and let the attorneys work out the rest. Let's see here. I think the book starts to lay out you know, the key points of, of the term sheet, economics and control. And we're going to really dive into that next week. But the points I wanted to make today were one, binding term sheets. You can do it, but man, you got to have an attorney involved. Well, and I, I, you know, from the company's perspective, I get it. They want to make sure that they can get this investor on the hook. If the investor is saying, yeah, I want to invest, the company wants something that binds the investor to invest. And, you know, what I'll say there is, you know, yeah. Ideally, it's great to have the investor, you know, sign something that, you know, binds them to invest. But on the other hand, if, you know, you get through this process and the investor ends up saying, you know what, I I don't want to invest. You don't want to go ahead and try to bind an investor to invest. We're going to sue them now for not investing. I mean, who's got the time or the money for that? You know, again, the exclusivity and the confidentiality, confidentiality needs to be binding on everybody. And exclusivity, if it's properly negotiated, can work. Other than that, a binding term sheet, you're going to adding cost and complexity and you know um, time to getting that thing signed. The last thing you want to do is send them a term sheet. Say, okay, great. Now they got to rent by their attorney right. to get them to discuss to make sure you know the binding obligations aren't too restrictive or anything. So try and stay away from that. 
uh, you know, simple term sheets. We do get a lot of times where someone will say, hey, we negotiated these terms and here they are. And they'll just send us an email or a Google Doc. And usually that's okay. Our response to that is is uh, generally, okay, great. Here's three or four other questions even before we can start drafting docs. But that's fine. I mean, you, you get the investor and his or her attorney on the phone. If the investor is working with the other attorney, you, know, you just start an email chain or get them on a conference call and just say, here are the other things we'd like to know. And let's get these things hammered out. I think it's important to do that. A lot of times investors just want to, excuse me, the companies want to skip that part. Hey, hey, we've got, I've got economics. I've got control. Can you go ahead and draft the docs? And then Aaron and I say, well, we really need to understand, are they getting a right, you know, right of first offer? Are they going to write a first refusal? How does this board seat work? I think that was something that, you know, took us some time to learn is, you know, we've had clients call us before and say, yeah, I've got this investor. He wants to invest a million dollars. Uh, the pre-money valuation is this. He just wants common stock. Right. And we say, well, do we have a term sheet? No, no, no. But they, you know, they've committed these terms. No, we need to get them a full term sheet. And then most of the time, we've found that no, the investor thought they were getting preferred, and you know, they have a different. That's not even evaluation. most of the time. That's the vast right. majority of the time. No, you're absolutely right, Aaron. And you know the. the the company calls and says, we got to get this done. You know, they need the money as soon as possible. But we know that when you're investing that kind of money, it's making its way through a committee or through an attorney. And then the attorneys will call us and say, why the heck isn't there preferred? And then we look bad, right? As the attorneys on one hand drafted documents that we know are way off market. Uh, and then you, the whole process takes a lot longer. So yes, 100% aligned with Aaron there. What we do, and it doesn't have to be a formal turn, at least through an email. We just did this on Friday. Okay. I had a client call us on Thursday. He said, these guys are realigned up. These guys are, you know, are, are lined up. They're very excited. They're ready to go. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, all right. Let me call him. So I called him and he confirmed it. The investor said, yeah, that's exactly what we want. And I said, do we need to run this through your attorney? He said, nah, I'll send him the docs. I said, great. I'm going to send you an email. So, because we had talked about five points, I sent an email that covered 15 points and I had a spreadsheet attached. And I said, these are some of the things that I thought about. This is the spreadsheet of what the, the, the uh, capitalization is going to look like after the transaction. Can you confirm these things? And then he, he came back and said, let me discuss this internally. Well, and that's the other thing is like from the company perspective, what you did in terms of sending those 15 points, maybe they think, oh, you're just trying to run up the bill. But had you not done that and had you went ahead and prepared the documents and you sent them over and then it turns out that it was completely wrong, now you've just you know, spent all that time and the client's money in drafting those documents that aren't going to be used. We don't want to spook the investor. Aaron, you and I went through that with that other client recently. We right. sent a very complex term sheet, right? right? A super complex term sheet. And we had called and said, can we walk the other attorney through this? And the client was very insistent. No, because remember, they have a director who's very close to that potential right. investor. And they said, no, 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 they're, they're ready for this. And we sent it over to him. The feedback we got was that it was too complicated, yeah. right? So we're still learning. You know, we, maybe we could have pushed harder, but um, in general, guys, you're out there. You're putting together a term sheet, or you've got come to terms with your investors. Get those terms as nailed down as possible before you really start drafting the docs. It'll be better all the way around. All right. So there's the overview of the term sheet. Next week, we're going to talk about economic terms of the term sheet. Chapter four should be a good one. Remember that we have show notes listed online. We have references, defined terms, related content at VelaWoodLaw.com slash blog slash podcast slash office hours. This is the office hours podcast. Follow us on Twitter at VelaWoodLaw. Follow us on Instagram at VelaWood. Questions or comments, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. 
And then finally, and most importantly, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to the Office Hours podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week. See you. All Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at